Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day and welcome back to the show. It's episode number 69 this week and I'd like to say first off a big thanks to a new iTunes reviewer which is Fish Chick Jody, maybe Jody Fish Chick. Anyway, Thank you very much, Jody. And the show's got like now like 19 five-star reviews uh, on iTunes. So a big thanks to everybody for your support there. I just wish that some of my products enjoyed the same positive review scores. But anyway, this week's guest is Ruben Schroeder, who comes to us from his home city of Seattle. And Ruben's a member of the Australian Seller Facebook group. So if you want to join that group, just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. Anyway, about six weeks ago, Ruben asked if anybody wanted to meet him because he was coming to our hometown or my hometown of Melbourne for a few days. So Stephen Loy, Matt and I were catching up for a mastermind lunch and so I invited Ruben along. Now, over lunch, Ruben told us his story of selling care packs on Amazon and building this very successful brand, Hangry Kits, over the last few years, Excuse me, which you'll hear about shortly during our chat. Now, if you're wondering what a care pack is, well guess you'd better keep listening. Anyway, so as you'll learn, selling food on Amazon is not easy. The margins are pretty thin. The competition is cutthroat and uh, melting chocolate and used by dates can be an absolute nightmare. So uh, yeah, stay, stay tuned for this. It's, gonna be, it's a really fun interview. Now, uh, private coaching, you know you know what to do. Just head over to chris at christhomas.com.au and uh, yeah, uh, let us know if I can help. Uh, and of course, India as well, which I've been banging on about. We are just about sold out. There are 30 spots and or I think now we're up to 26. There's like four spots left. So if you do want to come along and not miss the boat on this, uh, just head over to indiasourcingtrip.com. That's www.indiasourcingtrip.com and have a chat with Megla and she'll be able to help you out. Uh, but anyway, let's get on with the show and uh, let's have a listen to some music. Green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant And a fake plastic girl And welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome Ruben Schroeder to the microphone. Ruben, you're from Hangry Kits. You are the CEO of Hangry Kits. And we met just a couple of weeks ago here in Melbourne, actually. You made a post on our on my Facebook group, the Australian Seller Facebook group, uh, saying that you'd be in town. Uh, you're across from Seattle and you're on having a bit of a holiday. So I also had organized with Matt and Stephen Loy to have a little lunch catch-up mastermindy thing and thought who better to invite along to that than you and we caught up we went to lunch and had a great time and I just thought your story was so amazing I'd have to get you on the show so thanks for coming on the show can you tell us who you are your background a bit of your story and how you got started selling on Amazon yeah yeah and uh thank you for that beer and uh had a lot of fun hanging out with you guys and Melbourne's a beautiful city cool yeah, so um, I guess I'll just jump right in about selling on online. I'll try to do a quick uh, intro. Started in 98. Uh, my mom had an eBay business mm-hmm. selling uh, rocks uh, for jewelers to make jewelry out of. And um, that turned into me selling electronics when I used to work for Sears. Electronics would go on sale and I'd throw them on eBay and, and make some money that way. Uh, in college, I sold textbooks online half.com was a big big deal for a little while there um craigslist and then that 
I went to business school and, and I graduated business school right when the economy over in the States kind of collapsed and there really wasn't any jobs. I wanted to become a stockbroker, um, but there was just too many people that were more experienced than me getting those jobs. So uh, I got together with my cousin and we started a video game store and I took mm. over selling video games online. He He ran the brick and mortar store and that's when Amazon really started to get popular. And I think we started selling on Amazon around 2008. And uh, for video games, it was just bananas. There's just so many people on Amazon. And we sold a lot of old video games, collectible video games, and they just flew off. So I got pretty good at selling. And then on the side, I started selling kitchenwares. Um, so like pots, pans, ladles, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, that was doing pretty well for me. And my cousin had some big ideas on expanding the the video game business and I wanted to stay online. So we parted ways. He he bought me out and I started selling kitchenwares online. Back then, Amazon would give you featured status in different categories and the whole system was a little different than it is today. Mm-hmm. But randomly, uh, their automated system got, gave me featured status in grocery and food. And I didn't have that in uh, uh, selling kitchenwares. And so I tried my hand at selling food. I got I got connected with some uh, local distributors over in Seattle and started selling food. And, and right about then was when people started thinking food was an access, acceptable thing to buy. Really, in the early 2000s, no one was buying food online. But uh, 2010, 11, 12, people were starting to buy online. And now it's uh, food super popular online. And at, at some point, I needed to make the switch from just selling regular brands of food because more and more competition was was jumping on. So Mm -hmm. private label became uh, really important. And I launched uh, a couple of private label brands and the, and the one that really stuck and took off is uh, hangry kits. And we launched that in uh, about three years from exactly three, three years ago now. Yeah. Right. So just to explain to the listeners, um, a hangry kit is basically, I guess like a care pack or a gift pack. Would that be right? Sort of like a gift box full of treats, right? So um, a lot of parents, as I understand things in the US, will uh, buy a hangry pack from you that contains, I don't know, like a packet of Skittles and a packet of M&Ms and, and some rock candy and that sort of stuff. And and then they'll send it often to their kids who are in college. Is that sort of a pretty standard avatar, customer avatar for you? Yeah, I would say about half of our kits um, are parents buying them for their kids. The kids could be away at camp, their kids could be at college, their kids could be in the military. Um, but yeah, kids away from home, parents kind of know what snacks the kids like, uh, they, they like our packaging, it's kind of fun and, and, uh, it makes a great gift and yeah, that's a, that's a, kind of the core of our business. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's, it's, well, I don't think we really, in Australia, we just don't have like a care pack industry. So it's quite interesting that, that, um, that you've got that. I just wanted to uh, maybe just go back to the pots and pans just for one sec, just to cover this off. So were you actually sourcing those out of China or were you sourcing them domestically in the U S when you were selling? Uh, the pots, pots and pans on Amazon? Um, I, I happen to luckily, um, I guess, run into a local distributor that was, they were sourcing everything out of China and they were just giving me a really good price. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was back then FBA and Prime wasn't as important. So you could actually just merchant fulfill. And um, so I, 
the guy literally had his warehouse across the street from my office. Um, I'd sell a pot or a pan or a ladle, whatever, and then I would just go go buy it from him. And so it was a pretty easy, fun gig. Yeah, that's cool. That's like a bit of retail lab almost, but with a bit of drop shipping thrown in. <laughs> that's really cool. Sell it before you buy it. I like that. Yeah. So with the let's let's go back to the obviously we're we're talking hangry kits here, but um the uh how big is the market like are, are there lots of competitors or is it a, a do you have it to yourself like how does it work uh i i was uh i was in early i would say there's just two companies selling care packages online they are really the pioneers before me uh they started about six months before i caught on it was kind of just a natural progression as everyone selling food it was just getting more and more competitive a lot of people were just selling out of their basements at a loss not knowing what they're doing. I'm sure you guys are dealing with this with other products as well. Mm. Um, so private label, uh, product curation, um, any way you could add value to food was was going to happen no matter what. So I didn't necessarily run into other people doing it. It was just the progression of what we were doing. And uh, and now it's just gone bananas. There's uh, dozens and dozens of people doing care packages and and a lot of them aren't even really businesses or brands. They're just uh, hobbies. People throw stuff, a few snacks and candies in a box and sell it. Um, so it's it's highly competitive now. And uh, uh, luckily, I was in a little bit earlier. So I think some of my um, legacy products uh, get a little bump for being uh, old products and having good reviews. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty competitive. There's a lot of people out there. Just type in uh, care package, snack package um mm-hmm. gift college gift um you'll see a lot of people doing it yeah i've got it uh, for us in australia it's very difficult to get access often to the grocery and gourmet food category which i think is where you play uh just because um you know amazon's really tightened up on the categorization and and certainly restricted categories so it's very hard to get access to those categories i found though that with some of my older accounts um, my Amazon's older, older Amazon seller accounts that for some reason Amazon just if you've been around long enough they kind of just give it to you so um, so that's, <laughs> they have a little they have a little bit of faith in you I think so yeah I think you just have to have some good seller metrics you know and feedback and stuff like that but anyway enough about that um, so talk to me about scaling this business because it sounds really intensive like you've got a whole bunch of different products right that are broken out and put together into one of these care packs. How how do you do that at scale? Because it also sounds like your business is one that is a high volume, uh, and I'm guessing a low margin sort of play. Is that how how it hangs together for you? Yeah, pretty much. If you're in the food category, uh, low margin, high volumes, really the only game. Mm. Um, it uh, it's it's been a roller coaster um, with pots and pans and video games and and all those things. We you know slow progression. And, Slow increase in sales, um, pretty reliable. Um, but Hangry Kids, we got that out and it just kind of took off and it got real popular real fast. And there is, there's a lot of back-end work. Uh, you're not just buying a product from a manufacturer. We're actually manufacturing these products in mm. a sense. Um, so getting all our ducks in a row, ordering all the supplies we need, moving into a bigger facility. You know, We had to get like a forklift, a truck and all this stuff just to be able to get all this stuff. Um, a lot of these packaged foods uh, come in pretty big boxes. And if, if you need to build a thousand kits, um, yeah, you need several pallets worth of food to be able to build those kits. So uh, it was a major undertaking. 
uh, we got mentioned uh, a few different places. Amazon put us on their Facebook page. I think they have like 11 million followers. So just one day, all of our product just got sold out instantly. It was, uh, it was you know, great, but awful at the same time, because now we're just like, what do we do next? And and then we hit the uh, inevitable plateau six or 12 months in where, you know, we're just seeing uh, sales increase after sales increase. So I invested a lot of money into new supplies and then mm. we hit this plateau and um, the few, I guess, uh, random mentions we get on websites and, and by some, some big influencers just kind of stopped happening. And then um, not to say everything fell apart, but when you anticipate that growth to last, it does kind of mess with your head a little because you overbuy supplies and, and do some things. So huge learning curve. There's no textbook out there to follow. You just kind of, figure it out as you go. And, and there's a lot, lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. Cash flow. It's killed me this year as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm just scrambling around at the moment, trying to pull a bit of cash together to keep things on the show, keep the show on the road. Um, now, all right. So we're putting these kits together. How do you make a selection decision about what's, what's going to go in the box? So, you know, what kind of products is it around season? Is it the you know, obviously, you've got to think about the size. You don't want to put a great big bag of crisps or chips in there, which are going to take up a lot of volume inside one of your care packs. So, how do you how do you make those decisions about what goes in them and what the selection looks like? Uh, at first, you just kind of um, you just take some products and just start playing with it. You get a box out, put things in, look at it, talk to people that are in the office that day, and just, hey, does this look good? Uh, what do you think about that? And uh, but we always try to do kind of a mix of stuff, so not too much of anything. Do some nuts, do a snack bar, do some chips, do some candy, mm. um, and then just kind of uh, target. Um, you know, if you have a, a target market in mind, like we have a man kit, which is products just kind of focused at men. So there's some more protein bars in there, some beef jerky. Um, keep that in mind but the funny you mentioned like crisps and and uh potato chips and things like that uh they're kind of they're kind of a uh, necessary item at least a few of them because sometimes you have extra room and they take up the extra space but they actually also kind of second as a uh a bubble pack Uh, (laughs) they give a little bit more flex and cushioning to shift yeah and there's a tiny bit of cushioning there so it's yeah it's a you just got to play with it and and there's definitely some research that goes on. We go online and, and take a look at what products sell well and, and what other people are doing. And um, and then also the bottom line, some products surprisingly are very expensive and other products are surprisingly really cheap. So um, you take a look at that and generally you see what the competition is doing and you'll see that they're leaning towards the cheaper products. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, we can put a few of the expensive products in because we're not just uh, at least we're trying not to be just about price. We're supposed to have, we're trying to have uh, a good brand mm. that's fun and exciting to engage with rather than just a, a box of snacks. Yeah. So the themes is interesting. You mentioned the man kit. I know that you've got like a, I think it's a the Japanese kit um, and a bunch of others, right? Like who comes up with those really cool theme ideas? Again, is um, that just in the warehouse or is that just a bit of fun and creativity while you're driving in the car and <laughs> There's definitely some just like crazy ideas. We'll have some uh, brainstorming sessions and I'll let my team, you know, hey, you guys, you want to put something together, go for it. And I think uh, one of our team members came up with a yoga kit. So we put that out there and it's got some snacks, I guess, more aimed towards uh, 
people that do yoga and then there's i think they put a, a bracelet in there and a stretch band that helps with yoga ah, cool. um, i really wasn't involved in that one but um also um with the, the japan kit we just go on amazon you know for a while we would just put gift for on amazon mm. and see what what amazon you know would populate the the rest of that sentence with and so we kind of found that the japanese uh products were pretty popular on amazon i think the at least in the states there's a big um kind of a cult following of japanese anime and video games and the food kind of ties into that culture so um it's popular on amazon so we just kind of followed that and um there's a pretty good uh Japanese distributor over here. So we don't actually import um, the goods from uh, Japan. There's, they're already here. So we got a pretty robust distribution system of food here being a pretty big country. And um, yeah, so that's yeah. Kind of how we found that. Um, that makes sense. So um, do you use kind of like keyword research tools like Helium 10, for example, where you know, let's say that you're doing, you know, packs for or gifts for, or, you know, I don't know, um, just looking at all those sort of keywords that are coming back at you from Amazon suggested search. And then do you just jump into um, Helium 10 to look at the search volume around that to get a sense of, oh, there's a bit of volume around these Japanese um, traits, for example, maybe we can, you know, is is that sort of how it works or is it more just, you're just sort of seeing what's coming back at you from a suggested search term point of view on Amazon and then going, right, we're going to make this, this pack and, you know, put a finger in the air and Um, see. Yes. uh, We, uh, we use Jungle Scout, and we use we um, we came up with some ideas just looking at their keyword tool. Yeah, and um, we haven't had a lot of success with that. And I think I think what happens is we kind of step out of our uh, comfort zone a little, and we listen to the keywords instead of listening to uh, people and what we what they actually want. Um, so an example of that is we did a firefighter kit. So mm-hmm. uh, we noticed that a lot of people search for firefighter gifts and um, no, there wasn't like a lot of products on Amazon that were really catering to that. So we did a firefighter hangry kit thinking that, you know, people mm-hmm. looking for a kit uh, for a firefighter, then this will come up. And um, so I think we put some like spicy face things in there and we <laughs> like this little medallion thing. That's like, uh, firefighter medallion that you know has the credo of the firefighter written on it or something and we paid for the keywords and we got it out there and we sold a few but it just really didn't take off like we were hoping mm. with the search volumes that uh, that we saw so um, we've tried that a bit and there's probably a way to do it um, but more and more uh, I think we're actually you know we're getting so busy we, we sell the kits retail we we do a lot of promotional things um, Amazon's kind of becoming backburnered a little bit because it's just getting more and more competitive and more tedious. And because we have the opportunity to do some things off Amazon, um, I guess the real nitty gritty Amazon research is just kind of taking a backburner. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's great that you're diversifying away from Amazon and you know starting to really launch the brand out into more traditional uh, bricks and mortar retail. Yeah. Um, so when you're launching a new pack, you mentioned um, the firefighter kit, for example. I mean, if the margins are quite thin, how do you actually launch a pack? Do you just um, do a bit of a loss lead on some PPC and and run some Amazon sponsored ads to get some visibility around these new packs and throw that at the launch, or is there anything else that you do to launch? Yeah, your new kids. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there's some advantages to to what we're doing um, in the sense that it's food. It's very cheap. We get to build it ourselves, which is pretty cheap. 
Uh, we're not ordering something from overseas and having to buy, you know, the minimum order quantity and then ship it to Amazon and wait and hope everything works out. Um, we can test something pretty quickly and easily. And another part of that is we use Seller Fulfilled Prime for a lot of what we do. And um, if uh, if you don't know what that is, basically we can fulfill from our warehouse and have our products pop up as Prime on Amazon. And to most customers, they don't really know the difference between buying FBA or Seller Fulfilled Prime as it shows up as two day shipping anyways. So it's kind of cool. We can put a kit together, flip the switch and have it prime that night and mm. uh, start making sales the next day. And you couple that with, uh, yeah, just start buying some keywords with Amazon uh, PPC and, and yeah, we're rocking and rolling pretty much in, instantly if we want to be. So you've got really, really rapid sort of testing, haven't you? That means that let's just actually go back to the seller for Field Prime because uh, as you say, I, well, I'm pretty sure a lot of Australian listeners won't know what that is. I mean, how do you even qualify for seller fulfilled prime what were the requirements that amazon needed you to meet in order to be able to get that sort of badge of honor i suppose uh i wish i could tell you exactly what they're looking for but um i know one thing that was important to them is that i had a long history of shipping merchant fulfilled products and shipping them on time even up until uh a year ago you still did a large amount of business with merchant fulfilled so we're selling products directly from our warehouse. They don't show up as prime and we don't give the two day guarantee, Mm -hmm. but uh, people still buy them because a lot of these products are heavy and they're food or they melt. And there's just reasons why it's hard to to send them to Amazon FBA. Uh, If you don't know, um, Amazon won't accept chocolate uh, between June and September or October uh, at all. So uh, you have to merchant fulfill that product. And uh, yeah, we just, we, we've been rich and fulfilling for a really long time. Uh, the SFP program, it started as a pilot. They invited us to come on board. Uh, we signed up right away, but it really didn't make sense to us till about a year ago when uh, we were able to get some better prices on um, two-day shipping um, that mm-hmm. allows us to, to be competitive with uh, regular FBA. Yeah, yeah. To get the self-fulfilled prime is just such a bonus for you. Just wondering, because I, I imagine too, with the A to Z um, claims that that customers can can file against you that can sometimes affect their or impact seller fulfilled prime. I'm pretty sure. Um, but you, one of the questions I was going to ask was around chocolate. I actually, made a note here. Like, what do you do with these melty products if you're sending them yourself? I mean, if they're sitting on the front of someone's porch and they're you know in the <laughs> summertime in the US down in deep south, I don't know Tennessee or something. Yeah, do you get some complaints from customers if things arrive? in less than perfect shape? Yeah, uh, definitely we get complaints from customers. It doesn't happen as often as you might think. And we actually have some protocols with the shipping company to make sure they don't leave it on the porch, that they hand it to someone inside the house. Okay. Um, our warehouse is a very cool warehouse, so we don't have any problems with melting items. Mm. Uh, most of the delivery trucks are air conditioned. Um, so I would say 95% of the packages are getting to where they need to be without a problem. Um, and then those, those 5% that do have a problem, we're, we're very quick to, to rectify that to problem. To sort it out. Yeah. I was going to ask too, cause that sort of leads into like, what do you do about shelf life and use by dates and things like that? Like, I mean, you got to, you really got to sell through this stuff. I mean, you don't want to be sending a product that you know is expired or it's very close to expiry right yes for sure um yeah we're we're kind of like uh, uh a just-in-time inventory yeah. system yeah, you know, yeah we don't keep a lot of inventory 
excuse me, the, the inventory that we do backstock is generally more of the sugar, sugary candies, and they usually have like a two-year shelf life. Um, so we're able to buy those, you know, by the pallet and then get a better, uh, a better price. price on it. But, yeah. but a lot of like, um, a lot of the chips and crisps and stuff, their shelf life can be as low as 45 days. So um, in those cases, we generally just kind of stay away from those products unless we have some sort of promotional, um, someone wants some kits for a, a party they're throwing or something. Um, and they really want one of those products. Well, if we know that it's going to be opened within a certain period of time, we'll just buy it right before we pack it up. Yeah, that makes sense. Just in terms of the size of the team now, I mean, how big is your team that works, you know, in the warehouse and for you? Um, that varies a lot. We 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 kind of do a lot of uh, temp workers to to actually build the kits. Mm-hmm. Um, like in Q4, you know, we probably do a third of our business in Q4 um mostly in december so we have a lot of people on staff then a lot of temporary workers it's kind of like call up your friend and have them come in that week and it's been kind of fun a lot of people like to just come in and jump we have a we have a good atmosphere i turn the music on and just crank these things out as my core staff i have a a full-time manager um and a couple of guys underneath her that are also full-time and then maybe two to three part-time people pretty much all through the year. And then we might pull in another two or three people if, if we, you know, have something going on where we need to make a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. sounds like a great place to work music and do people get to snack on some candies while they're they're putting these kids together or is that absolutely not allowed? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, what, uh, as things get close, closer to expiring, uh, we just have this like break table where we just throw all that stuff and, it's way more than we can eat. So it's just a pile <laughs> of candy and snacks and um, the delivery guys, like they come in and they munch on that. And um, yeah, it's pretty laid back. And yeah, uh, we're not really too critical about all that. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm moving to Seattle and when can I start? Cause that, is, yeah. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Um, you get all, you get all your paperwork done. I heard immigration's tough these days. Uh, look, I think it's, it's tricky to get into Australia. It's also, uh, and it's probably just as hard to get into the United States at the moment with green cards and I don't know, everything else that's going on. Fun times. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, I know you're super busy and, and, um, you've been able to squeeze us in today. So I won't take up too much more of your time other than to say, uh, a massive thanks for coming on the show and, um, uh, let us know how we can get in touch with you. Yeah, uh, check out the site hangrykits.com. Um, you can there's a message system on there that that goes to me and uh, contact at hangrykits.com. Uh, good way to get a hold of me. Yeah, and if I guess uh, I would say if if you uh, if anybody out there wants to try food, uh, I'm definitely you know I'm doing it. And so if you want to chat about that or if you had an idea where you just need someone to do the, the legwork to, to work for your, your Amazon account. I might be open to that too. That'd be cool. I want, do you have it just quickly though, just before we go, uh, do you have any Australian care yeah. packs at all or, or not yet? Um, okay. So do you, to sell in the state. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking like Vegemite and Tim Tams and I don't know, you know, all the sort of things that we're pretty used to, you know, or things that we love here in Australia. There's probably just not enough expats in in America, <laughs> Australian expats that would, uh, would, would be, a good, you know, make up a good customer base for you. The, the problem with that is we, we've, we've played a little bit around with that. Um, there are people doing it. You could probably find one right now. Uh-huh. Um, there's people doing different countries. Um, 
but that's, I mean, they're really keyed in on that and they're going to do a better job than I ever could. And then I end up having to put, you know, a little extra, uh, price tag on mine to make it worth my while. Mm. And, and generally, um, that market's hard. It's, it's hard for us to get into, mm-hmm. um, from what I played with, not to say it's impossible. It's just right now, it just hasn't made it high on our, mm. uh, priorities list. Yeah. yeah. Got it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds fun. <laughs> I might give it a try myself and have a chat to you off air. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, yeah. thanks so much again for coming on the show. It's been, been amazing. I've never had a guest on the show that's talked about selling food on Amazon. So, uh, yeah, this is a, a first for me. And, yeah, it's awesome. Thanks again for, for coming on the Australian Seller Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.